Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. Hey, everybody. Oh, hey, Matt. Uh, your fireplace is broken. Oh, thanks for that tip. So, anyhow, we are here today, finally, after 10 episodes of preview, we are finally here to talk S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 101, the first episode of the first season, the pilot episode. But, Pete, before we get to that, we do have a tradition on the podcast. Who is this week's sponsor? This week's uh, podcast of the pilot episode, the very first episode in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series, is brought to you by Red Tape. Yes, the makers of Red Tape, where apparently Agent Melinda May uh, has her uh, desk job from her whatever experience she's had that's forced her to uh, build an emotional moat and retreat until she's summoned here by Coulson. But we'll get to all that. Indeed, we will. And, you know, where would we be without red tape? So definitely a big, big thanks to this week's sponsor. Pete, I guess before we get into our agenda proper, I mean, should we give our, our initial reactions? This is literally being recorded 20 minutes after the, the pilot episode has uh, has completed airing on the on the, the East Coast. Pete, in a, in a couple of words, what were your thoughts? Well, if I was a comely British girl like uh, Agent Simmons, I would say it was smashing. Ah, indeed. I have to say, Pete, I had no, I, I, I had every confidence that the show was going to be great, that the series was going to be great. But coming out of Comic Con, coming out of uh, uh, the the Disney convention, uh, D twenty three. You know, I know some of the critics weren't too keen on it. Some of the critic responses were like, are people going to know who this Coulson guy is? Did people see the number three movie Avengers and number three box office of all time? And I was a little nervous. Like, is it going to be kind of that bumpy pilot where it's like, you know, they're introducing you to everybody. This flew. This was a 90-minute pilot that lasted 60 minutes. It was just incredible what they were able to get in there. They really were able to capture that Marvel movie aesthetic with, you know, normal human characters. It was fantastic. It was chock full. There was really a lot of movement, great pace, excellent suspense. Matt, we have seen some stuff and some things at various shows and cons and things like this and this did not disappoint it really didn't this was as as strong a pilot as i've seen uh in the last i don't know eight and a half years or so uh just just absolutely fantastic i know that um we had uh we had heard uh in one of the the live chats live blogs that we participated in hosted on marvel.com that uh the the Twitter uh, guy at Agent M, you know his name on Twitter, that he had uh, run for Marvel.com, and he was a little bit coy. You know how much reference is there going to be to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I thought that this was spot on. I think we'll get to some of the particular plot stuff uh, a little bit later on in the podcast, but insofar as that they're acknowledging that the Avengers are out there, that they're part of people's experience and, and things like that, just the casual references. Hey, you know Stark Tower. It just it made that movie universe step into my living room, step into the television set, into a TV show. Uh, I'm just astonished that they were able to to to, to pull off that transformation, Pete. I was, um, you know, really concerned that they would underdo it, that they would worry that it would be too cheeky, you know, Hulk and various other references. And, you know, bang, right there. I mean, yes, it is straight out of the Disney toy division. I think it's, it's a small criticism as well to show us, you know, all the, uh, the Avengers action figures there in the, uh, the store window in the opening scene. Um, but, you know, reference after reference after reference. And again, we'll, we'll get into these a little more deeply um, a little later on in the podcast. But, you know, um, not not a lost reference or a failed reference among the bunch. No, I absolutely agree. It was it just felt so organic and so true to that world. Uh, and the number of times that it occurs, you feel, I, surely there must have been somebody who said, "Guys, let's dial this back. We don't want to remind people that Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth, et cetera, et cetera, aren't here." But they're all there because you know what? It's part of those people's lives. It's part of that world that they live in, where the, these are. Are you know international uh, 
you know figures known to everybody. It was just absolutely fantastic. It was. So with that, Matt, let's move it along here into our debrief section of the podcast. And, you know, first up tonight is the creative synergy that made the pilot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. possible. Today is September 24th. The Iron Man 3 Blu-ray and DVD (laughs) drops today, which features the Extremis plot. And what do you know that is front and center in a manner of speaking, uh, in this first episode. And it's really about the whole picture and bringing everything back together. Yeah, I was absolutely shocked. And it's it's a credit to the way the story is presented, that it's not clearly an extremist uh, situation going on until uh, certainly the second half. And, you know, I mean, I saw Iron Man 3. You and I saw it together opening weekend. And, you know, we've talked about it on, on this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast and whatnot. So it was certainly fresh in my mind, but I also wasn't kind of, uh, you know, cataloging through the different comic connections that could exist. But it was just this, um, at a certain point, it's like, oh, they went there. Like, this is a full-on continuation of that little corner of, of Iron Man 3, uh, again, in some kind of natural and organic way. And it was like, like so many of these little connections that have occurred in the movies somebody who didn't know the connection would just be like all right i get it it's like the thing on their arm and it makes them you know kind of super powered but also out of control uh but you have that added benefit if you do make the connection and it just it works on that on those dual layers so absolutely well definitely and and speaking within that you know we're exposed after the initial scene with uh michael peterson that we'll talk about Uh, a little later on, um, we're exposed to Agent Ward and he effectively is the viewer. Um, You know, he knows a little bit about the Marvel world, uh, but it's expanding as he moves up uh, the shield ladder here on into level seven and we get to really peel it back through his eyes. My concern with Agent Ward was that he was going to be merely the kind of the square-jawed everyman or the square-jawed audience. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Agent Coulson is the everyman, but just kind of the square-jawed new guy that, you know, kind of like the Cyclops from X-Men where he's the leader, but he's not quite that interesting or doesn't have his own interesting backstory. Right. However, I believe his his uh, character's name on an early call sheet was uh, Cocky Loner. <laughs> Well, we certainly see that in his introduction. There's this little spy movie in there, which to to my uncultured eyes certainly did appear to be old gay Paris that he was actually in, uh, at least for for some of it. I'm sure some of the, you know, interiors were shot in L.A., but there's some great spy tech. I hope that there's more of that. I mean, I know we kind of have a technology revelation at the end, but there's some great spy tech and completely novel stuff that they were just kind of passing off as, yeah, this is casual. We could do great spy tech each week. Um, fantastic fight scene that he had. It's kind of was, it wasn't PG 13 violence, but it was like PG 10, if you will. It was like 9 PM type violence shown at 8 PM. Definitely. Um, I credit to ABC for kind of allowing some of that jaw smashing blender shattering action going on for, for a little bit. Definitely just, I warmed to that character uh, quickly, despite the fact that I was prepared to not like him. I was worried about that as well. And then no sooner does he explain to us, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is the line. Uh, They are the ones who, in this new world now, you know, post-Battle of New York, which was referenced again and again and again, um, this idea that we have new threats, we have threats we don't even know are threats just yet. Um, it was great to see, um, uh, Agent Maria Hill. Okay. Getting the, uh, the super special, uh, cameo in here though. Uh, what's her name? Colby Smulders here, right, right? Right. Okay. Is still on how I met your mother for a year until, uh, they, they dust her off her chair for good on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a second season, I'm sure. And, uh, that is we, absolutely the assumption of everyone that it, it, I mean, you know. it's got to be the case. And, um, you know, we might reach, uh, good looking lady overload, but you know what, that's a place we're willing to go. 
uh, absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, the for, for, for the uh, for, for the fairer gender, I'm sure that uh, between uh, Ward and uh, and Fitz, you know, the, the show isn't lacking. And I mean, my goodness, well, Fitz, Clark, Fitz Clark, being a guy uh, anyway. <laughs> no, I'm saying for the ladies, there's there are ah. gentlemen on the show that they can appreciate as well as you know Clark Gregg, who is just beloved. Um, but you mentioned that kind of exposition scene where. You know, sometimes a pilot episode, uh, it has to hit certain notes in terms of communicating to everyone in the audience, here's what's going on. And they kind of, they do have that moment. He spells out S.H.I.E.L.D., he spells out what they do, and it was quick enough where it was like, all right, is everybody on board? Great, moving on. It was, it was, you know, they they just, they hit that perfectly. And, I mean, I I can only repeat what you said. I mean, to have Agent Maria Hill there, longer than I thought it would be. I assumed it would just be one scene uh, or perhaps kind of the extended scene of her, you know, her interviewing him. And then maybe, you know, the next next scene where they're kind of in uh, Command HQ and uh, Dr. Firefly Reverend comes along, who was also a nice, uh, nice face to see. But she was in it for much longer than i thought and certainly a welcome presence uh, particularly in her in her shield uniform which i i know i appreciated in avengers <laughs> she definitely you know she bookended this episode we have to see her early on in order to establish the familiar um and then the idea later on that all right you know the the subject is stable we got the all clear and you know she's she's uh you know number 2 to uh you know, Nick Fury to the director there. And it's, it's important that kind of presence, you know, if we're going to make Coulson more and more into this action hero. And I think that's something we'll examine again a little bit later in the show, particularly given the, uh, the move he put on the, uh, car door, the van door that came on him, uh, came at him. Um, you know, she's got to take on more of a leadership role and granted on the other show, we won't see her for a little bit. But I think somebody – she is somebody we will see again. Absolutely. I don't know the particulars of um, Hollywood contracts. I think I've read somewhere that like you can do your one guest appearance outside of the show that you're contracted in. So I, I don't – I mean I don't know the particulars. Does How I Met Your Mother need to have uh, already wrapped and then she's released from her contract but they're still shooting S.H.I.E.L.D.? Or you know, I don't know if we will see her again in this season. I certainly would hope so. Uh, I know that we'll be seeing her this uh, this um, this uh, November when Thor comes out. But um, we have a lot of other people to see, though, and until we see more of Maria Hill, let's talk about the rest of the team here. Absolutely, uh, we have Fitzsimmons, which is mentioned first, and then we realize it is a poor man too of uh, two agents: Agent Fitz, uh, the uh, geeky guy. And Agent Simmons, the geeky girl, who are there with the gadgets. This is uh, this is Q in effect. Yeah, you know, putting things together, and they figure, uh, you know, big in the story as far as the gadgetry they offer. You know, whatever uh, undid the extremis um, in uh, our man waiting to blow up in Michael Peterson. Um, you know, love the mini drones, one of which was named Bashful. I thought that was a great uh, touch. So there must have been uh, seven of them floating well, around there. He even uh, kind of started to, to hum or sing, you know, hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work we go. And it was like, there's there's Disney ABC using all those licenses. Bring them all together, guys. And that's fine. That's fine. If Absolutely. they want to go there, if they do it and it works, that's great. Um, you know, and new listeners will soon find out, you know, we will not just gush at this show. If, if it's going to make us groan and make you groan, we're going to address it. And were there some, some moments I mentioned before the, the Disney toy division got their, their pump in there with, uh, you know, all the, the figures in the, uh, in the, um, in the store window. And then the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Bernie takes, uh, the hooded heroes, uh, little boy. And it's like, come on, you didn't see him jump out of the, uh, the window with the woman in his hand. Of course he did. Um, you know, that, that was a little, uh, you know, to the nose early on, but, um, forgivable certainly in the way they, they ended the whole thing. Just um, returning, just returning to Fitzsimmons for a, a moment. I was prepared for it to be too cute and too kind of like the nerds, 
too kind of packaged to work. And I thought that it worked great. You know, the Scottish guy, the English woman, um, I'd like to see more screen time from the, from the two of them. But I think that um, his personality came through as kind of like the the slightly detached, wacky. You know, there's the line, um, you know, he's not going to get his hands dirty. References made to that. Um, I feel like I could know Simmons a little bit more, but we have a whole season to do that. Um, I then, want me a uh, shield lab coat, by the way. Absolutely. Pretty cool looking. Um, and then, of course, we're introduced to, I mean, Colson needs no introduction whatsoever. You know, we, we all knew he was he was coming back. I, I don't think you can even launch this as a TV enterprise if we do not um, tease that he's involved with this. Um, you know, that's the selling point. That's bringing people in tonight with the great Clark Gregg. Um, that every man, as you uh, said so, you know, simply before, um, you know, had that been a total surprise, uh, Twitter would have melted. <laughs> I mean, Clark Gregg just imbues into Agent Coulson this sense where you wish that he was your dad. He wish you wish that he was your big brother, your best friend, and your sister's boyfriend. Obviously, not all at the same time because that's illegal but yes. you just he just has that he has that sense where you could trust him he, you could trust him with anybody you could trust him hanging out with grandma hanging out with your toddler he's just he's got that that nice side to him but also can absolutely kick butt uh is is believable as the kind of the the, the kind but but uh steely leader and he's the glue he's the glue for not just this episode he's the glue for this series and if they you know there's rumors of other marvel tv shows that might be in production yes um the agent carter show indeed i mean he is the glue for the marvel cinematic universe television division uh i I guess somebody didn't work too hard to spell mcu tvd um but it this is the clark Gregg show with other people there they're helping that they have already you know, let that slip as a trial balloon that there would be an Agent Carter show. I got to wonder if the overnights are strong enough that we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and hear that, you know, next season they will have another show on the air and this will become the the new type of series off which to spin uh, other shows. You know, this, this could become the superhero law and order uh, quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, you Marvel know, if, Marvel if Mondays, you know. Yeah, if moving. we're lucky. Now, um, Pete, there is one character that we haven't mentioned, and in my notes, it's merely Sky Dash Heart exclamation point. Uh, I'm I quite gotta, smitten, Pete. I got to stop you there, though, okay? Because she's not on the team. Definitely a fair point, Pete. You're forgetting, Matt, the glorious, the uh, luminous Agent Melinda May, Ming-Na Wen, who, you know, you want to talk steely. You, you, you call Colson steely. I mean, th- this woman's uh, eyes project daggers. And whatever post-traumatic stress she has, whatever has anchored her to a desk, I'm guessing for the safety of others, not for her own safety, um, you know, must have been uh, something pretty bad that I imagine we're going to get the backstory at some point. But a thrill to see uh, Ming-Na Wen back on, um, you know, a, a regular TV joint, uh, first time since ER, if I'm not mistaken. I think she was on Stargate Continuum, although uh, certainly uh, it's nice to see her back on network TV. On if, a major network, else. man. We, <laughs> we only count the major networks. Um, the only major and not even major the only moderate complaint i had about this episode was that there was not enough ming na wen and there was even in some of the scenes she was in she was a bit passive and i understand that that's almost certainly a result of how they want to build the character she's she's the second biggest name on the show the 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 younger actors certainly are not uh names of note i mean they're kind of clearly up-and-coming actors but it's clark Gregg and ming na wen are the the headliners and uh, I look forward to there being more of her. I, I don't. I'm not saying how you could necessarily have worked her more into th- this episode and this plot, but let's bring out that secret. Let's see more. She certainly had her moments where she could kick butt, and it was like, ooh, this is where the character is headed. She's 
she's just the pilot for now, but you know, there's clearly, clearly more on the way. Definitely. And then of course we can get to our new recruit here who joins the team at the end of the episode. Go ahead, Matt and gush about sky. I look, Pete, we've talked, we've talked about how hacker girl outsider we were prepared. I know at least I know I was prepared to not particularly like this character. Um, she sells the outsiderness. She kind of sells like the you know the the rough and tumble hacker perfectly. Um, there was a scene or two where she was just a bit too sassy. I'm glad they kind of pulled it back a bit for the episode overall. But I mean, I think that Ward in the first half is the audience, and then it's just kind of like, oh well, he's the audience in that he doesn't know level seven. But, you know, now now he's on his way. He's kind of part of the team. He calls it, all right, we, you know, towards the end. Right. Sky is the audience in the second half. And, I mean, my goodness, just, you know, a, a lovely presence to behold. I don't want to sound like I'm enjoying the character only because of the scene in which she bewitches uh, uh, Ward with uh, her neckline. Although I, too, was bewitched, I will admit. But, um I just bought that character wholeheartedly. It was clear by the end of the episode she's going to join the team, and she was the us. But I just really dug her. I, I dug the the spunky side that she had, and I, I'm 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 bewitched by Sky Pete. Kudos to Joss Whedon and uh, Mo Tancheron and to Jed Whedon for making a character that could have been, uh, you know, put across in such a predictable, trite way, and at least making it interesting. Um, you know, uh, the role reversal there with the truth serum, you know, really effective scene. And then, you know, the, the thing that Coulson brings again, and the thing we've seen repeatedly in the Marvel cinematic universe is his ability to get someone who he might be at odds with to his side. And it's very clear he will, uh, do that in any way possible. He's done it with Tony Stark He's done it with uh, Thor and, you know, all right, this hacker girl who knows about the rising tide, he's going to get what he needs out of her, even if it means uh, pretty much uh, offering up his uh, latest recruited agent in Agent Ward. Who, let's be fair, is just recently level seven. So it's not like I think I think Coulson's point of view is that Ward doesn't actually have a ton of secrets to spill to the person who already knows most of their, you know, lower level secrets. Um, and, and that was just a masterful scene there. That just shows that shows Coulson's mettle um, and his ability to be kind of this cool leader. I'm thinking back to to Thor where it's like, oh, here comes some giant robot that breathes fire. What is it? One of Starks? It's just kind of that unflappable. <sighs> I want Agent Coulson to be my dad. Can't we? Can't we make that happen, Pete? <laughs> we'll see. But you know, as as long as uh, Agent Melinda May is uh, driving the bus, because it's a nice bus. But anyway, uh, moving along here, we're going to take a look at our dossier of villains and quite a bit of misdirection in this episode until we finally arrive at what who the real threat is. And this has been a recurrent motif in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, a lot of times a two-tiered villain structure. Oops, structure. Oops, we fooled you there. It's not really this bad guy. This is really the bad guy. And, um, you know, masterful that, you know, somebody we think could be a hero at the beginning of the show really winds up being somebody we should be afraid of. But let's start with the rising tide. We're going to do this in... Uh, chronological order in terms of the episode one thing that i really dug about uh the reference to rising tide was you know in the last uh, i don't know four months or so there was a rising tide website out there you know kind right. of one of these um you know kind it's of a like, viral campaign yeah viral you know, campaign underground derriguerre uh, to use the the french where we're uh first hunting down the uh the rising tide there in this day and age to have the viral campaign out there. I, as somebody who had checked out the rising tide website uh, shortly after it launched, I dug that some of the, you know, the, the, the grainy footage that they had on the actual rising tide website w was stuff that they had in the background of the command center. Um, when, uh, when 
I don't know if Ward is in the scene at that point, but shortly after uh, Colson is revealed to have returned. Um, and it, it was this neat kind of um, like, hey, I, I've seen that stuff already. I've had the insider knowledge already. I've been to that website. Um, I'll admit, Pete, I was a little unclear. Uh, is she Rising Tide? Like, is she, is that just a moniker that she uses? Or is she kind of one of many who reports to Rising Tide a la WikiLeaks? Um, I was a little unclear as to that. I don't know if you have a, you have a, a thought. I, I too am unclear what the relationship is. Clearly, there seems to be some kind of satellite situation in terms of these rising tide uh, operatives who are looking for uh, potentially uh, turnable, uh, twistable, um, you know, super people out there and to use them for their own ends, whatever those might be. Um, so maybe a, a, a firewall system kept in place how close Sky was to them. I'm sure we will begin to illuminate that in the coming weeks. Um, but, you know, the, the, the hacker, you know, archetype, the, the fringe idea, you know, out there to cause chaos, the, the voiceovers that hit us several times, you know, that the secret is out there, you know, are your eyes open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and then soon enough, Sky realized to be, you know, not a bad person. And, you know, she's on the other end of, you know, Colson's, uh, you know, illuminated table and, and she's being uh, pressed for secrets. So you're predicting that Rising Tide will return as a, uh, oh, a story device in future episodes. Oh, absolutely. Well, I guess we shall see. You are known on the Twitter as Spoiler Pete. I mean, that's not I, your name, I, but, you know, hashtag Spoiler Pete refers to you, your insider knowledge that you always seem to get. Definitely. So, you know, the, the meat of our uh, dossier segment today has to deal with uh, the hooded hero, factory worker turned explosive personality, Michael Peterson. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that it was uh, – I was actually surprised by the amount of screen time that he had. Uh, not that I'm complaining. Well, he is, Matt. He is the bomb. This is true. This is very true. Um, I thought that he, he certainly had an effective through line, and I think that it was also a great way to communicate to the audience this isn't always going to be bad guy of the week. This isn't going to be the Marvel X-Files where, oh, there's some you know crazy guy who can – you know. Uh, whatever, turn into a giant blob and mow things down. We just need to, like, capture him, subdue him, and and stop him. Or You know, that there can be this layer to the villain. I mean, he's not really a villain. He's he's the antagonist to this story. But his story is one, is one that's completely sympathetic. Um, down and out on his luck, trying, you know, one in a million shot, and the one in a million shot works and then becomes dangerous. Um and ultimately, he's a good guy at the end. He kind of is prepared to give himself up uh, Ward's <laughs> rather rather well-timed shot to, to wrap things up at 8.59, uh, notwithstanding. Yeah. I really dug, in, you know, using their words and the archetypes and, and the, uh, the general arcs, I really love the reverse origin story. You know, we get the, the guy with the superhero powers at the beginning, but it's not so much, you know what is he, what is he becoming? You know, it's the reverse. It's the fall. It's that this guy has, you know, noble aspirations, but he slides into, you know, evil doing. He, he kills the guy in the factory, yeah. um, you know, and, and everything going on there. I really dug how they, um, you know, played around with that. And I mean, he certainly, you know, to add to his sympathetic side, because as you say, there's kind of this duality. You know, he does kill a guy. Then there's also, you know, he's a father. His lovable son, Walt, I think the name was, <laughs> is uh, a little bit of a reference to some of you longtime listeners there. You'll you'll get the joke, no doubt. But, you know, he's... Is that he, who um, the new Karate Kid was playing, Walt? <laughs> oh, anyhow, just, you know, to see him as that sympathetic father, that completely worked. Um, he's there just trying to do right by his kid. You get the sense... Is it a divorce situation? Is his mom passed away? But um, there's tons of real world 3D shading to this character where otherwise there might, might not have been. Um, certainly credit to the Whedons and uh, Ms. Tancheron to be sure. 
So this rising tide and there was the third party that, um, you know, was represented by the guy with the, uh, the shotgun, um, in the climactic scene there, um, you know, I think is connected to the rising tide. I think, you know, they, they wanted Peterson, um, the woman who he rescued, who, you know, is now worried about being exposed so again, the duality and flipped around there, you know, a victim becomes somebody who was pretty much responsible for what had happened there. Um, you know, the, the monologue at the end about, you know, gods and the rest of us. And, you know, we've seen that we've seen Thor and we've seen the giant of the incredible Hulk and, you know, having peeled back that curtain for this Marvel cinematic world now, um, you know, there are going to be aspirations for people to be super. And with that, there's also the possibility of corruption. And Peterson represents the worst type of corruption, somebody who has needs and someone who will attempt to play upon those needs, whether it is to put food on the table or, you know, to support a child or whatever it's going to be. And, you know, the, the best villains can have some sympathetic side to them. And, um, you know, uh, J. August Richards really encapsulated that within the character of Peterson tonight. And I believe we'll see him again. I certainly would hope so. I mean, he's you know, well known as a, as a Whedon, uh, you know, Whedon favorite, a Whedon friend. And um, as you say, definitely sympathetic. They kind of reserve some of the more... Um, you know, traditional villain stuff too. As you say, there was the the supposed cop with the shotgun uh, in Union Station who, when you first saw him, like in the lower level, I remember he just kind of caught my eye and I was like, that is the most stereotypical cop ever. Like, is this uh, Arrested Development? Is this like, you know, call like the, the hottie cops? Um, he stuck out just <laughs> enough to be like, you actually kind of look like you're a special forces, not a cop. Um, although, I mean, I'm sure there's you know, an overlap between the two, but he just stuck out just enough. So when he returned, it was like, aha, I knew something was wrong about you. Sky um, had made a T-1000 Terminator reference to Ward earlier in the show. Yes, and yes. I, I thought that exactly when I saw that guy, I was like, he's going to be made of liquid metal. <laughs> um you know, but but that is what it had to be there. Somebody had to shoot uh, Peterson so he could go down and regenerate with the magic healing powers. And then our our hero, our star of the show, Colson, can go in there with his moxie and whatever he is now, whatever he's got now to be able to defuse that situation and take a uh, – a special bullet right over the shoulder, which uh, I had to go back and watch. Um, I thought he called for, he didn't seem to know that was coming. Oh no, I, I would agree. Colson did not know that was going to happen. That was, I think that's definitely setting up, you know, Papa, Papa Colson and oldest son Ward, you know, having words later on as to, you know, you, you wait for Colson as team leader to make that call. But Sky has knowledge of this centipede program. There was a mention of a Project Pegasus as well. They may or may not have been related. Um, but centipede is very clearly the extremist technology taken to an even greater level, um, despite its um, volatility and the concern that you know Peterson is going to uh, turn Union Station into a charred location. But I think in the future here, we're going to be seeing, you know, these uh, these projects, these secret programs, um, you know, were, were referenced with the zero uh, eight four at the end. Um, you know, they're going to give us uh, goodies, both good and bad. Pete, before we move to level seven theories, I just wanted to mention it was a, it was a fantastic scene when Sky first makes reference to, you know, the 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 thing in New Mexico. And we're like, yep, I know what that is. That's talking about Thor that Coulson went to in Iron Man 2. Then she's like, and Project Pegasus. And I'm like, Pegasus with like the wings, like on Captain America's head? Wait, no, what? And then she's like, and Centipede. And I'm like, I completely don't know what's going on. Have I forgotten something? Like, it was a really nice progression of like, hey, insider joke that the audience knows about. And then thing that kind of might sound familiar. And then now no one knows what's going on. Fantastic moment there. 
Well, I mean, Matt, welcome to level seven. Ooh, because perfect. boom. You know, this is the part, th this is the secret portion of the podcast where we get into the theories. You're granted, you know, level seven clearance to uh, listen to us talk about these things. Well, I, and we and, should just say, if you don't have level seven clearance, stop the podcast now yes, or else you, you, you'll get a black, black bag over your head, just like Sky. So we'll pause. Okay. Now that those people, the level six and below have left, welcome everyone. Pete, we can now continue. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, so now that, you know, again, we have revealed the presence of superheroes to the world, there's got to be an even greater level of things going on. The fact that there is still technology that exists from the Chitauri invasion from the Battle of New York, a neural link is recovered, um, was, was something that the rising tide was interested in. We've got this project Pegasus. We've got the centipede. There were references to uh, the Incredible Hulk's gamma radiation and Dr. Erskine's super soldier formula and extremis and all these other things. But despite all those head turning types of references and revelations, the single most important thing to theorize about this pilot episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Matt is. Of course, the mystery behind Coulson and they did they had mentioned oh it's gonna be a season-long thing and then so early on it's like oh yeah i like i started to pass out and then you know director fury sent me off to tahiti for a couple days and just to help those superheroes along and i'm sitting here going oh, really like is this what the critics were complaining about that 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 it just does this you know the, the pilot doesn't hold up and then no it's that there is a larger mystery there. Uh, Pete, I think, uh, to the credit of the story, but to the discredit of people like you and me who want to be like, what can we research? What little what little crumbs did you give us? They didn't give us many crumbs uh, to that mystery. To the benefit overall of the show, I'm sure. We'll get a little crumb next week or the following week, and they know that. But um, that's the mystery. What is the deal? Uh, so I'll ask you, Pete, what is what your spoiler, Pete? You probably know the answer already. You probably have some <laughs> copy of script number 24, you know, 124. What's the answer, Pete? The first episode, the pilot of any show has to very quickly establish theme. And if you listened to Sky's voiceovers, they very heavily referenced what's going on with Coulson. The secret is out. He's alive. Eyes open. He's back. Okay. Let's remember, Matt, Tahiti, it's a magical place. Having uh, taken my honeymoon there, I can say it is quite magical. I did not know you went to uh, uh, Tahiti on your honeymoon. I'm, I, I'm learning about you all the time. I did both both you know the island of Tahiti proper and then uh, the closest island to it is uh, Moria. And uh, spent some time in a little hut by the seaside and... Uh, and all that, but it it was magical. But enough about that. This is a a PG rated podcast, Pete. <laughs> uh, certainly, is a magical place. I'll say La Orana to all our Tahitian listeners. Um, I don't know what to make of the Colson mystery. I, I truly don't. What and I, I kind of like make, that. What I know to make is that uh, it could have been very ham fisted. It could have played uh, again uh, very winky with the audience. It didn't, and uh, it's really uh, a time, the only time I can remember um, acting happen in such a way, you know, so twice the, the thing about Tahiti is mentioned, okay, and then Coulson walks away. Did you catch Matt? As he's walking away, he wiped his eye. I did not. He, wiped, that... it, he wiped what I believe to be a tear from that eye after mentioning the magic again. Okay. Huh. And then came agent Maria Hill's ominous line. He can never know. So that is the ultimate mystery we're dealing with right now. And in a show that could be, you know, starting its own, um, you know, TV franchise as we're talking, um, you know, right out of the gate, to resurrect a character initially it's mentioned you know his death was faked uh 
uh, Hill gets some good lines in there, you know, dead for 40 seconds. It gets longer every time. Then the number eight seconds is thrown out there, <laughs> um, you know, and he's been on the beach in Tahiti reading Travis McGee novels. But this idea that something supernatural or magical or both has gone on with him. And then, of course, he dodges that door that comes right at him. And he just, in the spirit of Tahiti, Matt, he limboed under that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know to what degree when you're pitching a show, do you say, hey, this is great. Uh, can we have, you know, 10% lost? And can we have, you know, 20%, 24? And I, I don't... I, Look, obviously, stories are magic to a certain degree, and you can't just say, "Well, a little extra, you know, bit of the the you know CSI salt, please." Um, if they want a certain segment of the audience to be rapidly chasing down theories, um, a la Lost, this is a good place to start. What is the big main mystery? What is, you know, the monster on the island? What is that that we hear? Um, with this, it's who is this guy? You know, we we think we know him. What's his deal that he can never know about? Um, it's a good starting place. And give us crumbs every so often. doesn't need to be, you know, what's this week's update? What's this week's puzzle piece? But that's, I mean, you know, I'll say it again. Clark Gregg is the glue of the show. And his mystery is going to be driving some of us deliciously bonkers for hopefully the entire season. <laughs> hopefully they don't drag it out to, you know, season 12. Colson's history revealed, but this is this is the hook for the first season. The brain trust, and and when I say that, I'm referring to the the Whedons uh, in the collective here. They have gone on record that they're gonna answer questions. Uh, it won't be a question leads to another question leads to you know uh, a Chinese finger trap of riddles. Um, they're they're going to get things. They even referenced a hatch which has now become parlance for, you know, what kind of mysteries will lead to greater mysteries. They're going to eventually answer this. Um, but the idea that they can play with this early on and that it will ultimately figure into what goes on with the character, I think is marvelous. And don't answer it early on. Tease that out as much as you can. You know, it, it could have stopped the show. Wait, this guy was dead and it didn't. And initially you have that little brush off explanation and then you get the much more ominous um, and, you know, uh, far greater uh, hint with uh, Maria Hill. And again, the importance of that character having her there, who else is able to do that? You know, the, the, the firefly priest, uh, you know, Dr. Man guy, he, he's, you know, he may carry some weight and I know he's a Whedon favorite and everything, but, you know, I'm sorry. Maria Hill gets to say, by the way, audience, something's up with him. Absolutely. Now, Pete, I just got to ask for all my losties out there. What was the reference to a hatch? Um, no, there was not a an overt reference oh, not. in this okay. episode. No, no. The one article I read in The Hollywood Reporter, they specifically used hatch as uh, a reference, you know, referring to the mystery the ultimate mystery of colson as their version of the hatch got it got it so well, <laughs> you, you know again a testament to the show you just finished two and a half years of podcasting about um here again figuring into another hopefully uh, just as long running just as successful abc tv show I feel supremely, particularly after having seen this episode, the mixture of the powers at ABC, the powers at Disney, the powers at Marvel, they get it. They get what they need to do. Sure, you throw the action figures in there to sweeten the deal a little bit, but at the end of the day, this was an episode that stood by itself as a uh, as a uh, Michael Peterson story it stood as a pilot it stood as an introduction for the agents of shield team and getting to know them it just it worked on every level um and then at the edges you can sell some t-shirts sell some hats sell some toys it's it's the kind of synergy that we want which is a big-hearted story at the center and uh and I know I'm not the only one who feels that way Pete if you're ready to move on to our next segment 
Well, there's one other thing I just wanted to mention coming back with Colson here. Of course. You know, we, 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 we tease, you know, how he's back. Um, we see super reflexes. And then the, the monologue there, the, the, the weighty lines at the end, you know, he's got this privilege, but it came at a cost. So there seems at least some awareness of whatever he's become or whatever he's got going on right now. And that, you know, w- was the perfect way to get at Peterson and to emotionally disarm him before he was physically disarmed. With that laser blue bullet thing. Yes, yes. Technology of the future. But, you know, and and one thing, uh, you know, our listeners should know, Matt does not watch the uh, segments uh, for what comes on next time. Those are called uh, previews, Pete. They are. They're not okay, part of the but show. But you don't preview them, so they're not called preview. You don't preview. So well, <laughs> th- for you, they're just segments that, that come after that you don't watch. For That's me, true. it's a preview. <laughs> okay? It's actually, again, hashtag spoiler Pete. It's a review. I, don't, I take the P off because I already know. Uh, indeed. Uh, but it's a segment for you. It's a segment you don't watch. Um, but they, they mentioned specifically without getting into specific things coming that you're not going to want to miss the end of each episode. So it would seem, you know, they're really going to tease us out at the end as they did tonight with the zero eight four Matt, what's a zero eight four. I have no idea. I, 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 I'm going to imagine I could peer into the writer's room a little bit and say, Let's just call it 084 and figure out what it needs to be with the next script, but let's finish this one. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. What's your guess? Or well, should I say I mean, quote-unquote guess? We we had a flying car there at the end. You know, we've got Colson lives, Lola flies, um, 88 miles per hour. We'll get you into time travel. I'm just going to spitball, man, a 084, a 088. Maybe it has something to do with some time travel. Ooh. And, I mean, you mentioned don't miss the ends of these episodes. I mean, that was a fantastic ending there where it's the old car. Oh, he likes old things. Guess what? This old thing, this old character, brand new future. I mean, that Lola uh, encapsulates the, the, the Coulson character in terms of what you see as the guy in the waiting room in Iron Man 1. You know, there's so much potential there that you didn't know was there. And if you wait long enough, you get it, and it's great. Absolutely great. It was. Matt, I know you got the hots for Sky already. We know she knows her way around some uh, stolen communiques. So why don't you decrypt some transmissions for us right now? Absolutely. And this, uh, this is a, a bevy of transmissions. We uh, will certainly give our contact info right after it if you'd like to join the conversation. But... Um, it's nice. We kind of have a bookend of some some uh, people who are familiar with this podcast, previous podcasts we've done, and we have some new faces in the middle. So first, first comes uh, a tweet from Michelle, who uh, has uh, been listening to us for a while. That's uh, Ink As Rain on Twitter. And uh, she had the congenial message uh, on the Twitter saying to her followers, guys, I recommend the Fantastic Geek podcast if, shockingly, if you, shockingly, need more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after the show. So we certainly uh, appreciate her uh, her vote of confidence there. Oh, thank you, Michelle. And let's see, we also have a, where did it go? Uh, we also had uh, a mention by Mr. Trivity on Twitter who, uh, I guess, saw us tweeting about uh, about it and said, dang, I need to watch that. Drops homework, goes to TV. <laughs> um, and I think that uh, I would certainly, you know, I, I, I would welcome setting your homework aside. Maybe, you know, make Tuesday nights a day a time you're not doing homework, uh, one and all. Um, you're welcome, ABC. Indeed. Uh, we also had a tweet from uh, Mark. That's Rad in Inc. 2. Uh, who just had the general comment, but uh, I think an appropriate one nonetheless, that the show is good so far. Um, this was in the middle, through the middle of the episode, so certainly somebody uh, enjoying himself there. Uh, we also had a tweet from Inspector Sydney, who said that she loved the show, looking forward to uh, the upcoming episodes. 
And last, Pete, is something that is uh, new to this episode, was not in our preview episodes. We are going to declare, amongst uh, the people who communicate with us each week, we're going to declare a special agent of the week, kind of a way to, uh, to highlight uh, the, the exclusive crew. This one goes to uh, a pal of ours who we've never met, but who we've communicated to uh, across the ocean, across the internets. This, of course, is Ian in the UK. He helped us out, uh, especially in the last week. He sent us not one, not two, but four versions of, uh, of uh, cover art that we could use for the podcast. And uh, Ian has been a great pal. He has a great talent. And uh, he, uh, you know, he was kind enough to send that. Those of you who remember the Alcatraz podcast, this is Ian of Ding fame. And uh, Ian is hereby declared the special agent of the week for his uh, great help to us, his great uh, camaraderie for the podcast. And we certainly encourage everybody to check out his website, Zort, Z-O-R-T dot co dot U-K, where there's some great uh, pop culture illustrations and whatnot. And uh, so, Pete, there we go, our very first agent of the week. Well earned, and I look forward to uh, helping to award this each week. Indeed. Um, I guess with that, Pete, I will quickly mention that uh, if people would like to share their feedback on this pilot episode or on uh, the episodes as they happen, you know, we will be podcasting right after the episodes air, but share your thoughts at any time. On Twitter, we are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a PH. Uh, our email is fantasticgeek at gmail.com also with a ph uh you can leave a comment on the website shieldpodcast.blogspot.com and of course you can find us on itunes and we love getting reviews there uh lastly you can hear your own voice in the podcast you can leave a message uh for up to three minutes on our google voice line minded perhaps even by sky you never know uh, that's <laughs> that number is 732-707-1815 and uh you can leave a message for up to three minutes that uh, we may use on the podcast as i said so that pete as we start to wrap up here any uh just kind of final final thoughts here about this uh, first episode I'm really looking forward to where they're going to go in the future weeks. We got exactly what we needed tonight. I know we were both a little skeptical. The hype, everything coming in, you know, could not have uh, hit on all cylinders any better tonight. I absolutely agree. I look forward to more of those organically occurring casual comic truths as i kind of called them you know references to star tower references to all to, to, to the world that they live in and how it's different uh from the world that we live in so with that pete i guess we should just quickly mention our own personal twitters would you care to share yours first for all the absolutely. all the pete fans out there absolutely you can find me wherever the hashtag spoiler pete is at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. And my personal Twitter is Looking Back Lost. And I guess with that, Pete, uh, unless you have anything else, I will uh, bid the audience a, a fond farewell and look forward to talking to everybody next week. Absolutely. Just a little bit of preference here before we, uh, we sign off. This is our third series podcast. Previously did a podcast for the all-too-short Alcatraz then we did some show in between so the tradition that started early on was lights out then it became the lights are out and i think it's only fitting now that we've been welcome to level seven and we've stepped into the light but it was a little dark around that corner i couldn't help myself <laughs>